Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. I think it's safe to say that if we're going to have a discussion, which is what we're going to do for the next 45 minutes or, or, or so, talking about trends that are of concern to anyone who does a panoramic overview of what's going on in the world today, that to have a discussion and not broach the subject of marriage would be clearly conspicuous by its absence. So Rabbi Ruvain Epstein um, is a very dear friend. Um, and Ruvain is someone who over many, many months and years has developed a reputation that precedes him as a go-to person, as a marriage counselor, as a marriage coach. He has, um, amongst other uh, things, been trained by a certainly a world-renowned, very wise person who we both know in common uh, in Israel, and then sort of specialized in a lot of the idiosyncrasies and dynamics between a husband and wife. And I think, Ruben, the firstly, welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's our honor, and it's our pleasure. The, I think you know me well enough to know that I've, I've tried to overlay a lot of what I do based on hard data, empirical proof statistics. <clears throat> so in, in sort of preparing for the show, I looked at the spiking, skyrocketing divorce rates. Trend one. Uh, trend two, the uh, number of folks that are supposedly uh, committed to each other that are not getting married. And number three, <clears throat> the amount of, of couples that are not having kids. Th- these are all obviously trends that are of concern if, uh, if people hold uh, certain, let's say, uh, family values as, as sacrosanct. I'd like to start off by getting you introduced to our listeners. And if you don't mind, Ruben, can you give us a little bit of your background and pretty much the, the journey as to why sort of marriage became the area that not only do you focus on, but I believe you excel in. Thank you. So um, my training comes, as you said, from when I was, you know, spending five years after we got married in Israel. Um, By nature, I'm a very thought through and meticulous person. Like I I don't have a single paper on my desk at all. I'm allergic to paper. I'm allergic to clutter. (laughs) And and my brain sort of works with that. I always say that accountants are not trained. We're born. So with that, with that mindset, when I got married, I really wanted to understand like the system of marriage, like how it works. Because if you think about it, really everything, everything is a system, everything, right? The economy is a system. Our bodies are a system. 
So people are always talking about what's going wrong in, let's say, the economy or what's going wrong with their bodies. But if, if you don't understand the system, then it's really hard to study that. So we spent, my wife and I, after we got married, um, you know, we were admittedly young and coming from a very altruistic place just for ourselves to be able to understand our own marriage and how to do it right. Uh, we approached some very, very uh, successful people in the marriage space, people who have been lecturing and speaking and training. And we asked them if they would, you know, give over their knowledge and information to us. And, and that was how it started. Um, and after about five years, we started teaching, counseling, sitting with people from the rabbinic counseling, you know, model, which is a yeah. very forward looking model, which we'll talk about today, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and then and then it, the platforms just started approaching like, you know, this platform and that platform. And over the years, we've thankfully been able to impact. I don't know, millions of people, you know, throughout, you know, the various, uh, you know, platforms that have presented themselves. One thing that we do is during the day, I am an accountant. Um, and in the evenings from about 7 p.m. till midnight, that's when I have slots for individuals who are either dating, you know, in the process of getting engaged, married or divorced. I always say it's like the, the life cycle of relationships, you yeah. know, from dating to divorce. That's basically what we deal yeah. with. Once, once a couple says they're getting divorced, then they're beyond me. But if they have a chance of saving it, whether there's infidelity yep. or, or anything yep. like that, yep. that's where we get involved. Okay. That, that certainly not only puts you uh, uh, in context, but I think will give our listeners a sense of why of all people in the proverbial marriage space, I chose to reach out to you because I think <clears throat> that you've earned your stripes. And I think that there's a very well thought through methodology. It's not just, let me meet someone and extemporaneously intuitively trying to figure this out. So I always, Ruvain, before I begin a, a podcast, assemble our, our, our team and say, what would our listeners want to ask Ruvain, right? This is not an interview. It's a discussion. People are driving down the New, New Jersey Turnpike, the 405, they're listening to the podcast. And I'm thinking, here's what, I think the main question that we want to ask you in no particular order is, is if you could try and string together the, the main themes or the majority of problems that you see repeating themselves in marriages today, yeah. what would they be? Sure. So I, I actually want to go back on one thing that you said before, and I want to actually okay. add it to your statistics. Please. Um, okay. So you had mentioned a few different categories of people, but there's one category that you left out. And that is probably the biggest segment of the population, which are people who are married, potentially do have children, but are just miserably unhappy. Excellent. Or they, right, or they know, or they know that they could, they know that they could do better because yep. a lot of people, a lot of people, they go into marriage and they say to themselves, "Well, I, I want to love this person. I believe I love this person. I've, I've quote unquote, quote unquote, fallen in love with this person. I'll give yep. them my arm, my kidney, kidney, my liver. I'll give them everything." And then after around eight to 13 years, which is the sweet spot for, for really bad things to happen, they go, well, I really would like, I want my kidney back. I want my, I want my arms, my legs. I want to give it all back and give me the house and give me the keys and give me the kids, yep. right? So that segment of the population, I think is, is really where the statistics are hard to find because you know, measuring happiness is, is not something that you can you know, yep. easily come up with. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I think very, that, very good points. that very segment, good points. yeah, okay, good. So. In fact, like just to make a, a footnote, one of the uh, people on the team, I think this is something we can punt a little bit later, just said, please, can you ask Ruvain what is better? And I think it's on point, uh, is to be single or remain 
in a marriage that is painful. So I think that's in the same silo of folks out there that are married, uh, (laughs) but obviously are are, uh, not exactly living happily ever after. Yeah, absolutely. And, And a big part of what we do is actually sitting with people who are contemplating divorce and, you know, trying to help them work out that decision, which is obviously life altering, not just right. for them, but for their children, for sure, for everybody associated with it. OK, so to get to get to your question as follows, I I've discovered over the years sitting with literally thousands of couples um, that there's there's a series of things that most people do wrong. And if you if you have the basic education, I'm not talking here about people who need you know lifelong therapy for either addiction, mental health. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who are, yes. you know, reasonably healthy. Yep. individuals that don't need to get up in the morning and call their therapist. They're not yep. self-harming and they're not addicted yep. Yep. to anything that moves or doesn't move yep. or, or gives them a high or a low. Talking about the average healthy individual yep. from a mental health perspective. So okay. here's the deal. This is where I think most people go wrong. The, the first thing I'm going to say is I think most people don't really understand what marriage is. They look at marriage as this is the hospital that I come to in order yep. to extract from it as much data or as much happiness as I possibly can. Yep. And that's absolutely not how marriage works. The, uh, the, the definition from whether it's, you know, a psychological or a spiritual plane is that what marriage is, is that it's a connection. And, and there's a lot of words that we can talk about that are easy to say, but very hard to do. Yep. And connection is one of those because connection is something which on a constant basis, if you're not actually molding and becoming one with a new person, so then it's, it's two, two separate individuals. So right. a lot of times I ask people, what is the opposite of a good marriage? And they say, well, it's a bad marriage. Well, what does a bad marriage look like? And they describe the screaming, the yelling, the throwing the pots and the pans and all that. But that's not actually true. The opposite of a good marriage is a bad marriage. But if the, if the definition of a good marriage is a connected marriage, then that means that the opposite of a good marriage is a coexisting marriage, a marriage where two people are living in the same house, but sort of living in their own world. That is where I think subconsciously most people sense that something's going off. Like if, if, if any person who's listening to this thinks back to their last argument with their spouse, they'll almost always come to the realization that there was some form of disconnection. Come on, like I, I asked you to buy this. How did you forget, right? The person forgot because they were in their own world and they weren't in tune to you or you expected to get a gift, right? And they, they forgot or they didn't do it or they forgot your anniversary or your birthday or they said something that was insensitive. They're, it's them versus you or you versus them. And as long as it's two units, the marriage has not yet fulfilled its potential. So just with that basic understanding, you most couples start to realize like, oh, wow, I never really understood what marriage is. Marriage is a lifelong journey of two people slowly enmeshing and becoming a totally new unit. So when you, when you recognize that, now you at least have your goal and then you need the steps to be able to make that happen. Now, it's almost like- but Just to paraphrase it, if I may, Ruben, for our, our listeners. Yeah. Would it be oversimplistic to say that in your experience and the sample size you see, I believe, um, speaks volumes, that the average couple probably perceives marriage as a relationship where I can gain, what can I get from this, and two people living in parallel and finding out how can I best benefit from the person from the fact that I'm living with this person? Correct. So you're okay. hitting on, on the first point, which is that in order to have a really successful marriage, you have to be willing to give. Right. And you have to be able to give completely without expecting anything in return. But what exactly are you giving? And this is where I think a lot of people go wrong. I'll explain to you what I mean. Um, 
if you if you ask the average guy, like I'll, I'll paint this scenario for you, and I think this happens probably in every household across America, probably yep. numerous times a week, where a guy comes home after working uh, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, right? He's really killed himself. He got up early right. and he's working dawn to dusk, right? What and he walks, in, he, he walks in the door, right? And if you'd ask him, I feel like he would freeze at that moment and say to him, are you a good husband? Right away, he'll think he is. He'll be like, yeah, I'm great. Why yeah. are you great? So he'll say, well, because I did so much for my family today. I got up in the morning. I killed myself to get out of bed. It's 112 degrees outside. I'm a roofer. I'm standing out there, you know, banging in the shingles. Busting my chops. Yeah. Yeah. Busting my chops for my wife. I'm the greatest guy in the world. Right. And he walks in the door. His wife is ready to throw the children at him. Right. She's the food's not ready. Like everything's just going crazy at home. So he mm -hmm. gets upset and she gets upset. Where did they go wrong? I'll tell you where they went wrong. They went wrong because you cannot give to somebody externally and expect their batteries to charge. You know, I, the, the best example I could give, I always- What I always does that tell mean? What, is, what does it mean you can't- I'll explain to you what that means. This is my phone, okay? My phone okay. needs to charge, okay? People okay. need to charge. Are, yep. We have internal emotional batteries that need to charge. So what that means is, if I take my phone and I don't plug in the plug, I just put the plug somewhere in the vicinity of the phone, it, it's not gonna work. When you give to your spouse on an external factor, you're not directly contributing to them. So the fact that you have a house and the fact that you have money and the fact that you have a car, and you, it's important. Don't get me wrong. You absolutely need that. But if you're not targeting who they are, their emotions, like what's going on inside of them, you're not really directly addressing their needs they will feel empty. And I've had couples sitting here. So in other words, taking out the garbage or picking up the kids in carpool is still external. It's external. Okay. It's functional. And okay. every home has to be functional. Okay. So you got it. You have to have a job and take out the garbage and make yep. food. All of that is super important. But where people go wrong is that you can do that for your neighbor. You yep. can do that for your, you can do that for your neighbor. You could do that for your, for your roommate. All that stuff is great, but that's not marriage. Marriage is where you're tuning into the other person to their needs, wants, and desires, and you're giving it to them without expecting anything in return, but it's okay. a direct giving. So what that means is it, the opposite of that is that you're actually giving the person, you're taking them on walks, you're listening to their pain, you're being vulnerable with them, yeah. you're fulfilling their emotional needs on a consistent basis. That is marriage. That's where people go wrong. They go, well, what's wrong with me? Why in the world are you screaming at me? I just sat, I just sat on a roof for you for 12 hours. My, my behind is, is, is burnt. My, my hair is burnt. I, I just did this for you. Why are you screaming at me? And the wife's like, she can't verbalize it, but deep down she knows because that's not marriage. Yeah, because when yeah. you were single, you also sat on the roof. And, and when, when you were single, I was miserable then because I, I didn't have you in my life. So I, I got married to you expecting that you're going to give me. And what are you going to give me? You're going to give me directly. And this is the part that there's, it's a slight deviance, but it's actually the opposite. It's the difference between two polar opposites. And one is marriage and one is coexisting. And the second that guy walks in the door, he needs to know that his wife's batteries are actually on empty, completely empty, because he hasn't plugged in the batteries all day. Now he could, if when he's sitting up, he calls her and says, hey, sweetheart, I'm thinking yep. about you. I hope you're doing great, right? Or he leaves a card under her pillow or he orders lunch to her, you know, to her office. Now he's starting to target her. And there's a huge difference between that guy and the guy who just walks in the door after 12 hours and thinks, I'm the greatest guy in the world. How in the world could you point. scream at me? It's a great point. Are you a believer or do you, what is your feeling on the book, The Five Love Languages? I, I think that The Five Love Languages is a great book. I think that it fits into the model that I teach in the sense that you, 
you need to understand first that this is your goal. Your goal is to connect. So meaning mm-hmm. you can't just throw a rose at your spouse and expect them to be happy. You know, I, I've had people sitting here whose net worth from a financial standpoint, because I know that's, yeah. a, that's a touchy word, but their, their net worth from a financial standpoint is, is in, you know, tens of millions or hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars. Like they're really financially successful. And okay. I've had women tell me, I would rather live on, on food stamps and poverty and have a good, solid husband than what my husband gives me. And it's, it's amazing to hear that from people. I, I, but I hear that on a weekly basis, for sure, I hear that. So what, what does that tell you? It tells you that money is not gonna make you happy. What's going to make you happy is somebody who's actually directly connected to you. So just throwing a rose at your wife, when, when somebody has the need, let me say it like this, when somebody has the need to buy a $50,000 you know, present for their spouse, that usually means that something's wrong. Like you can't get along with the beer basics. Like I'll say it as follows. I think that the, the, the way to achieve a good marriage is with short attainable goals. And this is where I think a lot of people go wrong. They don't realize that success in life, when it, whether it's happiness in marriage or whether it's you know, financial you know, success or, or, or security, whatever it may be, the money is always the last part. The, the happiness, yeah. the success yeah. is always the last part. It's the result of your short attainable goals, right? I'm an accountant. Somebody walks into my office and says, how much do you charge? I'm like, how much do I charge for what? Yeah, exactly. Let's first talk about the what, right? The last part of the conversation, after I understand all their needs, now it's like, by the way, our fee is this. They're happy to pay because mm-hmm. we just had a conversation about what you're going to be it. getting out yeah. of this, right? But when your first question is, how much, how much what? So it's the same thing when it comes to marriage. People want happiness in marriage, but what is happiness? It is the result of consistently putting in, giving your spouse what they want, need, or desire on a consistent basis, on a proactive way. And if you do that without expecting anything in return, guarantee you you'll have a great marriage. Guarantee it. Or your money back. Right? No, <laughs> I have to agree. So you you use the word model, maybe synonymous with methodology. So I would I would press pause and say, in summary, what you've said so far. Uh, is that the externalities, the, the functional part of the relationship might keep the wheels on, but certainly this is not, there's no closer emotional intimacy and connectivity and it's not bringing the, the, the two people closer together. And you said the, the antithesis of what most people are doing is what can I get? It's all about giving. So we check those two boxes. Now the listener, I believe, was saying, okay, this is great. I think this guy knows what he's talking about. What's the model? What's the methodology? How, uh, what, you know, where, where do I start? Uh, now, 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 the listeners at home, whiteboard, mark, you know, marker out, and he's ready to take copious notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you use the word intimacy, and and I'll, I'll just tell you like this: I think that you know, a lot of people when you say the word intimacy, they think of the bedroom because right. that's the word that's most often affiliated with the word intimacy, but right. that's not true. And I think that that's actually the key is is understanding that. The word intimacy is that you have an intimate relationship with somebody else. So the the real answer is that you have to start, I'm gonna use the word falling in love, but I think that word is so misused these days is that it's creating an intimate relationship with somebody else, which means spending real, real quality time. And and the way way I, I break it down for my couples is as follows. So when I work with my couples, they have my cell phone number and they have my email address. And what they do is, my clients don't, by the way. So, so all my tax clients do not have it. Okay. So my cell phone is exclusively for people who who need, you know, help in this in this realm. So what okay. I do is I say as follows: All right, your marriage. You've just explained to me fifty different ways that you're disconnected. Now yep. let's start with the connection side of things. So how are we going to do that? Here's my cell phone number. Here's WhatsApp, text, email, whatever yep. it is. 
And yeah. every day, I want you to focus on three things that you're going to be doing to, to create some intimacy within your life. Okay. Once a week, you're going to do something a little bit more exciting. And okay. once a month, it's going to be like fireworks. Like it's just going to be something that's going to knock it out of the park. So they start off usually, they don't really understand what that means. So they'll say like, uh, I bought my wife the cereal that she likes, which is nice. It's, it's, a, it's a good start, right? Like you're, you're slowly like understanding to tune into the person's needs. And then over the, the course of a few weeks with some correction, you know, I'll tell them, um, you know, they'll start going on walks together. They'll start asking the person like, wow, that must've been so difficult for you at work. And, and how could I just give you like a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on? They start to this. bridge the gap between external and internal giving. And when they start right. to do that on a consistent basis, all of a sudden I, I've seen couples literally in a matter of weeks, their entire marriage is turned around. <clears throat> right. And, and, and for the first time is, is the, the fact that they are the one part of, of the couple is now focusing on what the other person wants, needs, or desires. Um, and, and, and be practically spending time on that. Does that automatically mean that the other person who has been living in an emotional desert automatically would feel that they would respond or does it ever feel contrived? Like one second, this guy heard a podcast and suddenly, you know, they, uh, it's Romeo and Juliet. You're touching on such a good point. And that is a lot of times when somebody's needs haven't been addressed for so long, yeah. all of a sudden they shut down and they're not receiving anymore. Right. So the husband could walk in the next day and say, I'm ready to give you the world. And right. she's like, well, I'm already one foot out the door. That's yeah. a big problem. So I, a lot of my couples have two, two anniversaries. The first anniversary is the day that they met each other. And yeah. then the second anniversary is the day that they met me. So we celebrate our anniversaries based on now you're starting a new, a new leaf because a lot of people, you come in, you're, you're 55 years old. Okay, great. So what, what, what exactly is your strategy right now? You're miserable, right? So uh -huh. you, you want to be either more miserable for the rest of your life. You want to be lonely for the rest of your life, or can we try to build something? And usually if there's been, if there's been a, a time in their life that they loved each other, so right. there's something there and you can, you can get that spark going again. You know what I mean? They yep. just have yep, to both sure. be willing to like, to like receive and mm -hmm. accept. And if they're willing to do that, then they could turn over a new leaf, you know, relatively quickly. Sometimes trust has to be rebuilt for sure, especially yep. in cases of like infidelity and that. But more often than not, like if you give it, a, you give it a few weeks or a few months, you can, you can really make that work. I would say, I would suggest, can I just say something? If, sure. if anybody, well, if anybody's listening to this and they have somebody who's, who's in their work environment or without, forget their spouse, but somebody that you don't really get along with really well, try this model on someone that you don't, you know, like, like a, that coworker that annoys you every day, come in, like bring them something, give them a gift, leave them a note. Like, wow, John, you're knocking it out of the park. You're just a great guy. You know, great, I adore you. Great, yeah. You'll see over a few weeks, the relationship will warm. You'll start to see the depths of this person's personality. Yeah, they're different than you. Yeah, you have your differences, but like you'll really start to see it like thaw and grow. And then you'll see, wow, this guy's a nice guy. He invited me yeah. fishing. He took me to his house. I met his wife. They're actually yeah. pretty cool people. So it, it works. You just have to be willing to, to like lower yourself a little bit, get yourself out of the way mm -hmm. and like let the process play itself out. But it's okay. It's very interesting, but it does sound like from time to time, uh, the resentment or the fact that the well has been proverbially dry for so long, the muscles completely atrophied, that there is a chance that the resentment and the fact that I've, you know, been a, a wallflower all these and suddenly you come back and you, you know, Mr. Romeo and Juliet, too little, too late. Okay, so let's let's take that question 
on the extreme and let's dial it back to a, to a, a let's call it a couple that's not as dry. And then you'll see how okay. the model works for both. Okay. okay. So how does the average couple work when they're not getting their needs met? So what do they do? So, so think about, let's go back to this couple. The guy comes home, he's, he's a roofer. He comes in after 12 hours and his wife is just on empty. She hasn't had a chance to make dinner. The kids are running around. The place right. is a wreck, right? And, and she hasn't seen her husband in a month because the guy's just so busy at work and he comes yep. to the door and he's totally dead. Okay. So what does she do? What does every woman do? Not every woman. I'm not trying to stereotype here, but, but whether it's a man or a woman, they, they yell, they scream, yep. they shut down, right? Yep. They yep. avoid the person. She yep. throws the kids at him. She's like, I'm going out with my friends, right? Yep. Or she's like, oh, look who just rolled in the house, right? Yeah, they, for sure. they basically, they, they basically, they try to communicate that their needs are not being met. So I always say that marriages don't speak English. Yep. And this is like sort of, I would say like the second step over here is that marriages don't speak English. What they do is they communicate emotions in words. So a person has to be very aware of this is that what's going on in your marriage is that your spouse is not talking to you in English. When they say to you, we're the blank, were you? They really don't care ge geographically where you were. Right. They they're don't saying you, care. You, that emotionally have checked out. Yeah, they're communicating to you. I'm frustrated. I feel distant. I feel alone. I don't feel like I'm a priority. That's really all they're communicating over to you, right? What most so people do... Yeah, so, go ahead. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, so uh, again, I'm always thinking about what someone might be thinking. They're thinking, I, I, I think another answer I'd like to hear from you. If, well, in this hypothetical, if it's called him John and Nancy, if Nancy feels so distant and so estranged and so not a priority, why doesn't she say to her husband, I feel like, like I'm the last priority, I feel distance. Why can't you just go ahead and say it? Why does she have to th throw the flowers at him? Because, okay, so there's two reasons. One is because emotion takes over. And when that emotion takes over, it just runs with us. And she's been sitting at home, you know, in her mind, yeah. rehashing how she's going to, you know, emotionally strangle him when he walks in the door. Right. So it's, it's really difficult after 12 hours of, frustra of frustration. And sometimes it's 12 weeks, 12 months yeah. or 12 yeah. years, right? right. Exactly. So when that, when that finally bu bubbles over, she's ready to just like let him have it. So that's yeah. like the first thing. And, and that emotion, when it comes out, it just, it just doesn't come over as well. I think that the second thing is that we are very defensive creatures. Like we're, we're sensitive within our own right. So for example, this, this husband, John and Mary, yeah, right? Yeah. So when he, when he walks in the door, when he walks in the door, he, he legitimately thinks he's doing a good job. Yeah, so yeah. all of a sudden his wife is attacking him. He thinks she's crazy. More what? often than night, right? How many people, I, I, I always joke, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not an LCSW and I'm certainly not a medical doctor in any capacity, but the amount of diagnoses that have gone on in my office is, sure. is through the roof, right? Oh, <laughs> this person's borderline. Oh, they have this yeah, disorder yeah. and that disorder. Everyone's, you know, talking about their spouses like they have, they're diagnosing them with every disease in the world, like yeah. a personality yeah. disorder. <laughs> exactly. But in reality, what goes on is that, is that men, women also, I'm saying when we get attacked, we usually turn into turtles. Yep. So, so, so what we do is like we, like we fold our arms and like we cover our head and like all you see is like two eyes popping out. But we're in yeah. such a defensive posture. Yeah. We're yeah. not really hearing what's going on because we don't really think that she knows what she's talking about. What are you talking? I'm doing a great job. I'm, I'm yeah. killing myself for you. And here you are attacking me. Oh, you're just like your mother. And like the minute you get onto that bandwagon. Oh, yeah, the Pandora's box. Forget it. The neighbors hear the argument. You know what I'm saying? Like everything yeah. just goes crazy. So I'll tell you how you do it different. And, and again, it's part of the model here and it really works, okay? So you used, you used an example where she says, um, hey, I really feel like I'm not loved, I'm not cherished, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not your priority. <clears throat> okay, so 
so it, a lot of therapists they say that instead of using I language, you should use you should use uh, you language. I'm sorry, the opposite. Instead of using you language, you should use you I should language. Use, you should, you right. shouldn't say you're a terrible husband. You should say I don't buy either of those. Okay, yeah, I think you should use you should use we language, yeah. meaning to say as follows: If you're a smart wife and your husband is coming home late, right, and he's getting more fulfillment out of his day than he is, you know, out of the house than in the house, so try to channel your marriage where it needs to go. If you, if a wife said to her husband, "I feel like you don't give me anything." This is how I feel. What she's really being is she's being a nice jerk, meaning mm -hmm. she's attacking him, but in a really Very subtle nice way. way. And he's <laughs> right. checked out already. He's gone. He's like, you're crazy. Right. But when she says to him, you know, I feel like we could use some more time together. Yeah. You know, it would be so nice if tomorrow evening we could just, you know, have an evening out. When you start talking about we, what Good we point. as in the marriage needs, you feel accepted. Yeah, it's a totally different effect. With no emotion, you're just slowly steering it. I call it channeling. Like you're channeling your marriage mm -hmm. in the direction that you need it to go. And you'll see like 99% of the time, if the well is not completely dry, like you said, it right. really works. It really works. The person's like, oh yeah, it's true. I've also been feeling something here. Like I feel like I'm just sitting on the roof all day. Like I have no time with you anymore. Yeah, yeah I'm telling my boss I'm going, going a few hours early tomorrow to spend time with you because we need it. It's a different model. The minute somebody feels attacked, you lost them. The minute they feel like you're actually looking out for the benefit of our relationship, wow. I also right. want to look out for the benefit of our relationship. See, people overall are good people, right? Yeah, 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 sure. People get into relationships and then all of a sudden they seem like monsters. And you're like, what happened? I thought you were a good guy. They're a yep. good guy until somebody's pushing all of the wrong buttons. Right. And then they just they just go haywire. So, so I'm gonna using using we language and taking out like the emotion. Excellent, excellent. That's just summarizing that point. It really, really, really works. Okay. All good stuff. I want to add an overlay um, because I think a lot of what I talk about um, and it was perhaps the underlying uh, thesis in the recent TED talk that I did in London is that pop culture imparts uh, certain isms and certain preconceived ideas that are not only erroneous, they're actually harmful. One of them and obviously, uh, we speak the truth. We try to speak the truth uh, uh, on this podcast, even if it might not be politically correct, is that men and women are the same, which is terrible, terrible disservice to both men and women. I'm here telling you that I'm not, that I'm not positioning either gender to be greater or they have both incredible uh, benefits and they, have, they, they are indispensable to, um, you know, to the happiness and to the journey of life. But if a man feels that he's married to another man wearing a dress, it's a huge problem. And if a woman feels the same way, meaning, you know, oversimplistically, a man, you know, wants a report and a woman wants a report. It's a very different way of. So isn't that also part of the problem that when people get into marriage, they don't realize that you're marrying someone who's a completely different galaxy? I, I love the question. I, I think that you're you're hitting on such a, an important point, and this is where I think many people go go off, not just from the gender side of things, but but just from like I'll call it the human the human side of things. I'll explain to you what I mean. Think about the last argument that that you had with your spouse. Of course, I've never argued then. once. Yeah, Anthony, I know, I know. She, right? But my she friend did that, that tell me he did an argument. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, think about like the last. So what usually happens is, is that there's a point in time, I always say it's probably about 15 seconds where you can choose 
to go right or left. There's like this fork in the road, right? Mm -hmm. And and we stupidly take the wrong turn. Mm -hmm. And then when we start, we get into that position, we slowly go down this position. We convince ourselves, usually by using principles to explain why we're right and the yeah. other one is wrong, right? So we say, oh, you're ruining the children, right? Right? We'll, we'll come up with like a <laughs> yeah. principle as to why my argument is 100% right and your argument is 100% wrong. And That's even... And right, and even for you to argue with me is is ruining the kids, right? So you better be quiet, right? Like we we get become so entrenched in it. But I'll tell you, we're 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 the again part of the, the model here um, is that if you recognize that you're really trying to become one with this person, right? So before you ever disagree with your spouse, yeah. always agree with them. Always agree with them for twenty four hours. Give me an example. If I, if your wife. I, 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 well, I'm, sometimes okay, it's not 24 hours. You don't have 24 hours. You have you have 24 seconds. But th but think about it like this: you, you want to go out to to one type of restaurant. You want to go to out to another okay, so type. Can, or, can, this this is what I think is very helpful. And we did this once with the kids. Can we role play this? Yeah, sure. So I'm, okay, I'm 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 Mary. You John. Was it, is it John or Larry? I forgot. Okay, you John. I'm Mary. Okay, you <laughs> okay. Are, okay, you the roofer. I'm Mrs. Roofer. Okay. Okay. So you walk in. Okay, and I'm gonna and we we're gonna go action. I'm Mary. And I would say, let's talk uh, about going on vacation. Yeah. Okay. Like you really feel like you want to go on vacation. Um, right. Mary, Mary does. Yes. Yeah. Mary okay. does. Right. And John is yeah. stuck at work. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so go ahead. So Mary's like, Hey, John, right. We never spend time with each other. John, right? this has been, I think week number four, we've at most been five, 10 minutes speaking to each other. This is crazy. I, I, I think we need to take a break and go away just to us for a few days and, and reconnect. Right. So, so now I'm at a fork road. Right? I'm, I'm okay. at a fork. So I, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to say, you, Mary, okay. Mary, you know, you're, you're a hundred percent right. It's really terrible how they've been working me so hard at the office. I would love to spend some more time with you. I think I'm going to speak to the foreman tomorrow to see when I could take off. I think that's really important. It might take, it might take some time. Um, but I'm, I'm going to make this a priority because I know how important it is for us. Okay, so that's Mr. Rufa taking doing the right decision. Doing the right decision. Okay. Right? Now, now the this other way. The other, I'll, I'll take the, the, yeah, I'll take the other fork. Messing up. Right, the other fork is the, the other fork is yeah. You're always making it about me. How I'm not giving you anything. You don't realize how hard I'm working for you and how I'm killing myself for you. You've always been this way, right? You've been always self-centered. You don't care about anything that I do for you. And here you come again, trying to spend more of our money on a vacation that we can't even afford. When I'm killing myself to make this happen, look where you, you have no you have normal no morals. You have no fiscal responsibility. All you do is sit at home all day and do nothing. You talk to your <laughs> stupid friends, right? And I walk home and I have to deal with this. I'm not interested in this, right? Okay, this Actually, Russia versus Ukraine, a world war. Okay, so I just want to <laughs> I want to extricate what I pulled out from what you just said. Number one, in the wrong road, you didn't agree first, which I love, by the way. One right. of our mentors, uh, it's an amazing thing and it works. Um, so one of my mentors said he, he, when things get heated and one of his workers or, or an, a, a, a co-party, you know, ask a question, but they're really wanting to rip the, he says, he always stops and says, that's an excellent question. So already this person said, one second, this guy's not a complete nutcase somehow he sees my point of view. So when they hear it, and then the gun comes down, so you can have a good discussion. So the second thing is you 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 didn't agree. You said the word always about four times. You said you several times. I, and she's going to walk out there feel underappreciated and calling 1-800-DIVORCE. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> so right, that's, exactly. That's very interesting. 
Okay. Right? So Whereas the other way, the other way you're you're sharing in what she's saying, you're really acknowledging the emotion that's being expressed, right? Because that's that's all she's doing. Even if even if Mary said to him in a harsh way, you know, you're really terrible here. Like you're you're never around, and you're the worst husband, and I get nothing from you. If even then, if he would turn it and he would say, "Wow, Mary, I, I'm going to restate what you're saying to me. I see how hard it is for you. You're home all day. I'm really not around." They're working me so hard at the office. Mm. We really need a vacation. You see, if, 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 if you take out the emotion and you really like work on yourself a little bit to be a calm, good spouse, you'll be able to even take somebody who's so argumentative and they're so worked up and you'll be able to disarm them in a second. Like, wow, I see you're really frustrated. It, it must be because they're working me so hard and I really have to, and even if I did something wrong, let's say, let's say I've been going out drinking with my friends, you know, after right. I go to the bar, right? I can still say, wow, I, I can't imagine what I've put you through. Like, I, I, I see that I really got you so upset. Well, I'm going to start coming home a little bit earlier because it's important for us. So how would Mary think that that's genuine as opposed to patronizing her? Because I'll tell you, because he's actually addressing what she's trying to say. And, and what a lot of people do, can I share with you what I believe is probably the most hidden secret of marriage. And I don't know, there should be a whole book just on this topic. What most it. couples do, I, I love this. I, this When I heard this one idea, this, this transformed everything for me, is that what most people do in a relationship is they do not ask for their needs straight out. They almost never do, Brilliant. right? So, so it's very rare that she'll say, um, and I really expect you to come home tomorrow to fill my emotional tank. It's very rare that somebody <laughs> will say that, right? She won't, yeah. and I'll tell you why they won't do it. Because if you do it, then it goes to your point that what they're going to be doing, right? You're just doing it just because you know that this is what I asked you to do. So what most people do is they, it's like Hansel and Gretel. They'll put out the cookie crumbs. Some crumbs, right? yeah. And then they'll wait for the person to be like, oh, you, you're really, you want more of my time. Uh -huh. Oh, because then it's coming from a place of love. Because what, what relationships are is about stepping outside of yourself into somebody else. Mm -hmm. So if I have to drag it out of you, it's not really worth much. But it, it, it's, I'll give you a small example. If I'm sitting here talking to you, I already yeah. have my drink, right? But let's say I didn't have a drink, right? And my wife walked into the room and was like, oh, you're giving, you know, you're doing a podcast. You must be thirsty. I prepared for you your favorite drink and your favorite mug. And she put it down. That would be worth like a million bucks, right? Why? Right. Because she's in tune to me and she makes me feel like she cares about me, right? She's in tune to like exactly what it is that I need at this moment. If I have to say, hey, honey, can you get me a drink? And then she gets me a drink. It lost uh, a lot of the love because right, she, she, she didn't know that I'm thirsty. Yeah. Like, what's going on over here? She's right. not in tune to yeah. me. It's yep. a subtlety, but it's it's the difference between a good marriage and a great marriage is really being in tune and pro like proactive. So just to take that point, you start off by saying that most people don't ask for the needs being met. I think what you said is if you uh, if you keep your antenna up and you keep focus on some of the nuances and you're in touch with your spouse, you can, as Wayne Gretzky would say in skating to where the puck's going to be, you can be preemptive. And that will make the, your spouse feel, one second, he's so in touch, he's so made a point of getting to understand, you know, what, you know, what things I like and don't like. I feel that he cares and I feel loved and I feel that this is a person who's really trying to make me happy. If you're proactive, you, 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 you nailed it. If you're proactive, it's worth a thousand to one. You don't get any better odds in any Las Vegas casino, right? If, if, if you have to react to something that your spouse did or said or hinted, you just lost probably 80% of the value, if not Amazing. more, right? If you're proactive, 
it's worth so much. And again, somebody driving on the FDR drive stuck in traffic, I would say, think for just a minute how you can just preempt your spouse in anything in your life. Just send them a text without them sending you a text. Just say, hey, you know, you're amazing. I was just thinking about how lucky I am to have you in my life. Go into any store. It could be the, the, the cheapest convenience store. Look around and find one thing that they like that's less than a dollar. Less than a dollar. And just buy it for them. And walk in the door and just say, you know, I was on the way home. I stopped in this convenience store. I thought about you and I bought this for you. Less than a dollar. <laughs> that's, that's the equivalent of a couple that has a massive blow up and he buys her like a $50,000, you know, ring. $50,000 versus a dollar. Okay, so the equivalency here is like, you know, it, there's such a contrast. Okay, so let me just try, as we always do on, um, on this podcast, firstly, giving a global summary of what I believe, and obviously I stand corrected, but I believe the salient points of what you've said so far. We start off by saying, seen as someone who is a, a person who has a reputation that precedes him in the married space as a coach, as a teacher, as a counselor, what do you see as one of the major problems in marriage today? I believe one of your main responses was that a lot of couples are at best dealing with each other on a functional utilitarian basis, but not on focusing on what their significant other wants, needs, and desires. The, we then ask a little bit more about your methodology. Uh, amongst other things I think that you said is to really understand and get to know your spouse and get to know what makes them tick, get to know what gets under their skin. And if one can be preemptive so that one's spouse really gets a sense of one second, my spouse has taken the time and patience to really understand who I am as a person. They'll feel cared for and cherished. And the relationship capital deposit that they can make is incredible. Um, we, you also mentioned the point when it would seem that most couples at some point in their life will have some altercation. How do you deal with that? I believe that you said that at some point there is a fork in the road where you can either double down and say, I'm right, or you can try get into their mind, try and murder them, make that person feel that at least understand where they came from, not shame or blame them. And at the very least, that then you can sort of look at the problem uh, globally as opposed to be becoming combative. Would, would that be a reasonable summation? Yes, 100%. The, okay. the, the bottom line is, 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 is I think that if the, if the average couple, and, and I'm talking here to, to anybody, if you're really, truly honest with yourself, what you'll find is that marriage ultimately is, is probably the greatest self-development course. It, it, it puts, right? It puts you through the ringer. Your spouse is going to call you out on, on so many things. But if you had a, a little bit less of, of the ego in there, and you're really truly looking to make somebody else happy, then it, it ultimately really is about the we. You know, I always, I always, I'm, I'm fascinated how people, they recognize this with children because children are so needy, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, when, when a person has a child, they, they intuitively know I have to give everything to this child, yeah. right? No matter what. And productivity and love is not correlated, right? You're going to give your kid even if they're not productive and even if they're not giving anything back to you, right? Because mm -hmm. it's your child and you just love your child. You hold your child in your arms and you just love them to death. Like when my kids were born, every one of them, I held them, I was crying, I was so emotional, which brings me to like just this, this concept that 
intimacy, when we, when you create intimacy with your spouse in the, in, in, in the living room, it translates into intimacy in the bedroom. Yep. The, the two are intrinsically connected. Like, why do you hug your child? Because you love them. So why do you hug your spouse? Because you love them. Right. And so many people, they don't look at it that way. I love my spouse. I mean, because I, I love them, you know, I'm attracted to them. Yeah, fine. Very nice. But like, when was the last time you held your spouse's arms yeah, or held them in your beautiful. hand? And you said, wow, I am so lucky to have you. Nobody has their child and says, dang, you are one ugly kid. You know, <laughs> where's the return label? Nobody does that, right? You, you view them with a certain glasses and I just, I'll, 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 you'll, end, you'll end, but I just wanted to share this one thing is that I think that when people get engaged and married, they have a certain perspective on the other person. Yep. And the good couples, you look at that 90 year old couple who's made it through life they're walking arm in arm. They literally have a different set of glasses on. They look at each oh, other yeah. differently, right? They relate to each other. And you're, you're the, you're the grandparent of our grandchildren. We've been through hell and back together, mm -hmm. you know, like the ups and the downs, the good and the bad. They, they, they develop a real sense of like, there's something here that's real and yeah. meaningful. And that just, that transcends everything else. But everything, so many people get, they get blinded by one or two other things and then they become, they come down this, this, this pathway. But, but I always say that, that part of the best part of my life, because you think that it's a very negative, you know, armchair that I'm sitting in hearing people. Yeah. I, I actually no. have a very, I have a very positive outlook on life. Because I, I think you've got a great gig. I think you've got a great, great gig. Because if you are the conduit instrumental in somehow opening people's eyes, because, uh, you know, my, the dean of, the place where I studied in Israel used to always say that love is not blind. Love is a magnifying glass. You know, you see, you, <laughs> you see things that, that if you through your tremendous insight and the amount of time and energy and effort that you've taken to really study relationships and the nuances and idiosyncrasies, if you are the conduit to help those two people re reframe things and see each other differently, you see them walking out and what a sense of tremendous a sense of, of, of contributing and, and adding value to people's lives. It's a terrific thing, which, which actually leads me to a question I'd like to ask every single uh, guest. So I, guess I think gives, it'll give every listeners a good sense of, of who you are. Um, it's, you're 90 years old. They bring out the chocolate <laughs> cake, a lot of candles. Um, your significant other's there. Your close family's there. Your buddies are there. I'm there. Um, the boom mic goes around. What do you want people to be saying about you? About me? Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it does dovetail with your very last point, because neither you nor I believe that there is a coincidence in those worlds. So the, fact, the very fact that your life journey has caused you or allowed you to accumulate more knowledge than most in the marriage institution, in the relationship institution, and that in the community or out there that's your perception that's the way you are that's that's the way you are known that's going to be part of your legacy so yeah. i'm fast forwarding a few decades and i'm and i'm taking a much more macro how do you want the world to see you it's yeah i i think it's 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 i mean i know you so i would say it's, it would be very parochial to say it's just this is a rock star marriage coach there's much more to ruben epson than that so Right. I'll just share with you two, two things. One is, um, I actually don't like when people talk about me. <laughs> I, saw, I was watching your body language as I was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the truth. I, I really, I, I don't uh, you know, I get emails 
you know, whatever. And, and I, I really tried, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, it, it's because if I'm a puppet in someone else's hand, then I get really happy when they say something nice about me and really down when they say something not nice about me. Mm -hmm. So then I'm just a puppet on a string. So I really don't like to be, you know, dependent on other people talking yeah. about me at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would hope, I would hope that I would be able to live um, as an example for my family, that they would mm -hmm. say that when people needed him, he answered the call. Yep. And now he trained us to answer that call also, because I, I really believe that I believe that everybody has something to contribute. You know, everybody, you, you yep. don't have to be an Anthony Gordon to, to influence so many people. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and with the creation of Spotify and all these other things, we've seen such a rise in people who have a platform. Some use yep. it the wrong way. Right. But many people, they're able to give over ideas, even if you're just giving over like healthy living. Yeah. Or spirituality, yep. you're helping somebody else. Everybody sure. has talents that are just divine. We're, yep. we're, we're people that are just, so I would hope that somebody would just simply say about me, like, you know, I've learned from my granddad or whatever <laughs> it'll be, you know? Um, and then I wouldn't partake of that cake because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> So I think that that's how, yeah. It's beautiful. I just, I, I do want to say uh, before uh, the curtain comes down here, that there's definitely, um, there's definitely a common denominator in your, your comments and marriage. And that is, it's all really about giving. That's really where we get our peace. That's really where we get our sense of contribution. Um, in a world which is very challenging for millennials, where the iGeneration, iTunes, iTablet, word selfies now in the Oxford Dictionary, it's such a hollow, hollow victory when it's all about I, as opposed to we, as you're saying about you. I want to end by saying the following, because this is, uh, I think, have become uh, a popular part of the show and that is the tagline the Anthony Gordon show dash lessons for life I didn't learn at Harvard if you had to and maybe this is an incredibly unfair question if you had to cull down to our audience two or three uh, pearls of wisdom about marriage that you would like to share that are perhaps very different from anything they're going to learn in a sort of pop culture what would they be so I'll tell you I think I'll, I'll go back to the example I gave before and I think that this is the easiest way for somebody to, to, to just, just keep a, in the forefront of their mind what they're trying to accomplish. Your spouse is your cell phone, okay? Just treat your spouse as good as you treat your, your cell phone and you will have a happy relationship, okay? It's, you gotta be dialed in, your batteries have to be charged. What happens when it's not being charged, right? When the, when the battery hits 30%, it starts emitting beeps and it starts <laughs> telling you, hey, I'm not doing really well over here, right? Charge me up, let's go. What happens when it gets down to 5%? Certain apps stop working, right? Yeah. Certain apps stop working. It says, I can't do this crash anymore. Crash and burn. Yeah. Right? Crash and burn. Emergency. So you don't yell at your phone when it's telling you that you need to do a better job at being dialed in. Don't yell at your spouse when they're telling you Love that it. you need to do a better job at being dialed in. If you, treated, if you treated your spouse as well as you treat your plants at home, that you sing to them and you talk to them and tell them how much you love them, and you treated them as good as you your cell phone, we'd have a really, really good world. You that's know, big, is that every, everyone big. is so dialed into this. And I, I'll, I'll just say one last thing. You know, you're talking about the millennial generation. I've had people who have shared with me their WhatsApp chats. You know how you could do that? Like you sure. could export. A, okay. And, and it's literally every fight that this couple has ever had. I've had this on, a, on numerous occasions where they share it. They say, you want to know what's going on in our life? Here's our WhatsApp chat. You read it. And then we'll come into the session and you'll already know what's going on. And I'm, I'm shocked at people who are having arguments and conversations while they're still in the same house. They're like the, the husband will say to the wife, oh, could you come out of the room now? And she'd be like, no, I'd rather talk this way. 
And I'm like, what is going on here? And the answer is because it's much easier to interface with somebody through a screen or sure. through some, some sort of other medium. It's really hard to like hold the other person's hands and say to them, I really love you. So whatever we're going through here, the ultimate goal is that I love you even more. If you can remember that, like create that intimate space, it, 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 it's hard to say certain things when you're face to face with somebody else. You know point. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's very easy to curse somebody out, you know, on a text. It's very hard to actually do it like face to face. I'm a forensic accountant. And there was there was a, a report that's that an opposing counsel wrote. And he wrote that, you know, he made allegations which were total hogwash. Yep. And when he actually had to sit down and go face to face with the person he made the allegations, he said the words, he said, it's possible that they may have done the following. And I called him out on it. I said, wait, we got to stop the proceedings here because in his paperwork, he was 100 percent sure that they did it. But face to face, he could not bring himself to say it because he knows that he's lying. And, and the panelists of judges, they, they, they bought, they, they agreed with me. They said, he's right. Why is it that you just said he may have done that? If you're so convinced, he said, it's the truth is I'm not convinced. It's very easy to put something on paper. It's very easy to send the text. When you actually have to face the person, it's much harder. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they uh, access you and uh, a URL, contact uh, information? That, that, that is no, no doubt going to be a question that folks are going to ask. Sure. So... I have, I started a website called, um, called marriagepro.co has a little marriage pro pro like, yeah, like you become a pro marriagepro.co. Um, and over there, there's a lots of classes, but the one that I encourage people to go through is the marriage curriculum, which was created, you know, for all types of people, all stripes have had Mormons and, you know, non-Jews and it's, it's total basic English language. Um, it's like medical school for marriage, if you will. It just walks your, you through. Is your website based on a subscription? Can people access it for free? Do people have to pay? Either way, just so I can. Yeah. So I have over there about 120 free classes. Wow. Um, but the marriage curriculum is oh. is a paid subscription, which oh. you buy it and then it's, it's, it's you know, it's yours for life. Um, if anybody needs discounts, we're happy. The goal here, honestly, is just to help people. Like get, if somebody needs help, yeah, let's help them out. And yeah. then um, they, I could be accessed through the website. It's email at marriagepro.co. And uh, I try to get through all my emails every day, respond myself and, you know, be in touch with people so they're not getting like a runaround. So uh, let me end by saying this. Firstly, it's, it really was a, it's a, a tremendous pleasure. Rabbi Ruben uh, Epstein, I think that you're doing phenomenal work. I think that whether people are Jewish or, or Gentile, most people know the word shalom. It just seems to be a universal word. And it, it's it's a beautiful thing to know that you've taken your God-given talents, your acumen, uh, your, your, your real care, and bring shalom into the world. Shalom is, you know, I always tell people, you can either be right or you can have shalom. And I, I think that you are helping people, sensitize people to a... a, a a huge institution that's in trouble that at the end of the day, I think people, no one wants to be alone. Uh, There's no real manual out there. I think what you've developed is a incredibly useful um, sort of a GPS to navigate the vicissitudes of any uh, marriage. And I encourage people to, to reach out to a marriagepro.com. Keep up the great work. .co, sorry. sorry. I want you to keep up the great work and uh, bring bringing more and more shalom to the world. Thank you so much.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.